You're listening to Story City Church in Granada Hills, California. We exist to glorify God by leading communities into healthy relationships with Jesus and with others. And here is this week's message. Um, So if we can stand and read God's uh, word for today as we go into our um, sermon Uh, We like to stand because we believe in honoring and valuing God's word. And so this is a big part of our service where we look at the scripture that we're going to uh, dissect in scripture in in the sermon uh, and read it together. As I end the reading, I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord. And I want to invite you to say, thanks be to God. Sound good? Let's read today's passage in Colossians, continuing our series. Colossians 3, 5 through 17, it reads this. Therefore, put to death... What belongs to your earthly nature, sexual morality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now, put away all the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old self with practices, with its practices, and have put... Put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of our creator. In Christ, there is not Greek or Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is in all and in all. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Can you guys hear me? Awesome. Uh, Do me a favor and stand back up. I'm going to have you guys do a little bit of uh, calisthenics uh, this morning. It is Super Bowl Sunday. I'm going to get myself set up here. But first and foremost, I just want to say thank you to Samir for allowing me to have the privilege of just speaking with you guys uh, this morning. I get the privilege of being like a substitute teacher, right? I get to show up, maybe play a movie. I get to speak real briefly on what it is that you guys are going through in your sermon topic. And then I get to leave and I don't have to deal with any of the actual problems and things that are going on in the church. So um, can we just give him a round of applause? Can we honor him? So I really appreciate you, brother. I appreciate what you're doing here uh, in Granada Hills. Let me pray. I want to say a quick prayer. And then um, I like to do a poll. I like to take a poll. I like to do a couple of things to get, uh, you know, familiar with my audience, basically. So let's pray first. Father God, we praise you. We glorify you. We honor you. We pray that today the name of Jesus Christ would be high and lifted up, that it would be exalted and magnified. God, I pray that your word would come alive and that it would penetrate the hearts of my brothers and sisters, that it would take root inside of our innermost being and start to bear fruit. Lord, we love you and are so thankful that we get to gather here today. Holy Spirit, have your way with each and every one of us. And we pray this by the power 
power of the blood and in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Go ahead and stay standing before you sit. Um, Real quick, uh, anybody who's married, have a seat. I just want to kind of get, I'm a married man. If you're married, oh wow, you guys are booed up in this church. You guys got a lot, that's a lot of relationships. Okay, that's good for me to know. Um, Anybody who's dating or talking to somebody, go ahead and have a seat. Like, and that shouldn't be, that's not a trick question, right? Like you're talking to somebody in, in a romantic way. Awesome. So that means the rest of you standing are single. Uh, do me a favor and do a quick 360. Look around. Valentine's Day is Wednesday. I just want to, I want to set you guys up for success. Okay. We believe in kingdom covenants around here. So no, go ahead and everybody stand up again. I'm going to have you guys do this a couple times. That was a joke. I'm playing. Um, And those are for the married folks. Don't forget Valentine's Day is on Wednesday, (laughs) gentlemen. um, I'm trying to save marriages out here and do the Lord's work. So this is uh, a poll that I'm going to do that is uh, actually far more serious this time. And if you don't feel like you want to answer, you can just kind of sit this one out. But um, I'm going to have you sit down if you've been to YWAM. Does anybody know what YWAM is? Youth with a Mission or Young Life or Circuit Riders or carry the love. Any of these resonate with you, have a seat. Did anybody go to seminary or Bible college, uh, have a seat? Is anybody in here a pastor's kid? If you are, go ahead and have a seat. Pastor's kids aren't here. I don't know what they're up to. Um, (laughs) Pray for them, pray for them. Uh, Sit down if you spent time in high school ministry, you were in youth group in your youth throughout high school. Um, Or go ahead and have a seat if you grew up in church. Okay. I like this. This is so, so I just, I like to, to do something like this because I want you guys to look around. There are individuals in here who are probably first generation believers, first generation Christians. And I have you stand because that's me. Um, I am a first generation Christian. I did not grow up in a Christian home. I did not grow up uh, with Christian values. Um, go ahead and have a seat real quick. Last poll, and uh, we're going to get into this. I'm going to ask you to stand. Now, this is going to be extremely vulnerable questions, and if you don't feel comfortable standing, then you guys, um, then don't. But would you stand up if you've ever been to foster care or a part of uh, the, the foster care system? I appreciate that. Would you stand up if you've ever been incarcerated, like been to jail? And not like a weekend after like the Super Bowl, like a quick, not like an overnighter, but like you've done some time, okay? Right? Some of you are like, I hope you don't tonight. Everybody be safe. Uh, Would you stand up if you've been divorced? I know this is a a tough one if you, yeah. Um, And would you stand up if you've ever wrestled with addiction or substance abuse? So these, these are my people as well, because every single one of those things apply to me as well. And I want to share with you guys that these are our stories, not our identities. It's not our identity. It's not who we are. We might have been through some things. We might have seen some things. Go ahead and sit down. Would you guys just give yourself a round of applause for being a, di- a diverse group? It's beautiful because as brothers and sisters in Christ, there's a diverse group. Some of you grew up in church. Some of you never grew up in church. Some of you grew up with two-parent homes. Some of you are from foster care. There's such a wide variety and a diverse group. I just share that that is not who we are. Our identity is found in Jesus. So as you guys are in a series called Rooted for Depth and Restoration in Christ, we're going to talk about being rooted in your new and true identity. 
Rooted means to be established deeply and firmly. When I think of rooted, I think of a tree. Uh, have you guys felt the winds recently? You guys seen these California storms that have been taking place? Uh, a buddy of mine sent me a picture uh, about a week ago of a tree that was downed and fell on his fence. And this guy loves his fence. He just put up the fence, did a bunch of yard work, and he's got this tree that crushed it. But what you can see at the end of the tree is that it had no roots. It was a beautiful tree. It had been there for hundreds of years, but uh, you can tell that it didn't establish a strong foundation. The roots didn't go very deep. All it took was a strong wind to knock that tree over. I want to remind you guys that as Christians, as followers of Jesus, just like the word says, is we are to be anchored in the word. We are to not be easily moved. And when we put our faith in Jesus, he doesn't just come to fix our life but he comes to give us a new life. Jesus comes to give us a new life. He's not just a a, a quick fix self-help program. And in that new life that we have in Jesus, we get a new identity. And that identity in Jesus is what keeps us from being moved. It keeps us from being blown over at the slightest inconvenience or mishap. When things don't go our way or happen the way that we expected them, Our identity is what holds us firm. We are able to handle the things of life in a godly way because we're rooted in Christ and not our circumstances. Too often today, people allow their stories or their circumstances to define who they are and therefore are easily moved no matter what happens, whether it's the news, whether it's the politics or the next uh, race uh, of voting that's going on. Regardless of what's going on, because our identity in Jesus, we are not to be moved. So we're going to jump into Colossians chapter 3, but I want to do a quick recap uh, of of Colossians. I like to talk about the who, what, when, where, and why. You guys might have done this at the beginning of the series, but who wrote the book of Colossians? They believe that it was Paul with the help of Timothy. What is the book of Colossians about? The what is that is who we are in Jesus. The whole book of Colossians is about our identity. They believe that this was written 60 to 62 years after the death of Jesus, uh, somewhere in that vicinity. And at the same time, Paul wrote this. Many believe he wrote the books of Philemon, uh, Ephesians, and Philippians. Where did Paul write this book? He wrote the book of Colossians while imprisoned, while in prison. So here we have a man talking about our identity, talking about who we are in Jesus when he's locked up when he lacks a lot of the freedoms and the privileges that a free person would. Why he writes the book of Colossians is because he received report that the Colossian churches were struggling. They were wrestling with who they actually were. So in verse five, it says, therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. I want to just talk briefly about those couple of verses before we knew Jesus. This is who we were. And you might not be a murderer or an adulterer. You might not be wrestling with a sexual addiction or greed or selfishness. You might not think that you fall within those categories, but I'm here to tell you that sin in the face of God is like filthy rags. Sin is an abomination to him. 
regardless of what it looked like. You might have thought you were a good person, but the sin that we once lived in separated us from God, but only because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ are we even able to be here in this place, to be in his presence. So when we look at these things, sex, addiction, greed, selfishness, it was a life filled with sin that is deserving of death. And now you might be thinking to yourself, well, I don't do any of these things now, right? So we're saved. At least hopefully we're not. Like if we're on the right page, we're not doing these things currently. And in this season, you might be thinking to yourself that you've been delivered. And that's great. But there's more. There's more to it. And we pick that up in verse 8 where it says, but now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. These are characteristics that are not becoming of a believer in Christ Jesus. These characteristics do not align with your identity of who you are in him. Now, I know that some of you probably did half of those things on the way to church this morning. Don't lie. Arguing before you get in the car, frustrated because you hit traffic, upset because you guys can't agree on where you're going to lunch, right? There, some of you are even clashing right now. You've got a little bit of anger and, and a little bit of jealousy and some comparison because your favorite teams are going head to head, right? So even this morning, some of us still might wrestle with these characteristics that are not becoming of men and women of God. But the good news is that there's grace. The good news is that there's the process of sanctification, the good news is that Jesus died for that, to restore us, to redeem us, to transform us, and to remind us of who we are in him. We are to be rooted and grounded in him. Moments like this, when we get a chance to go over the scripture, is a reminder uh, that we aren't what's happened to us, but we are who the word says that we are. A lot of us get our identity from our biology, Right? Some people get their identity from their culture. Some people get their identity from family or their environment, maybe their life experiences, even their jobs. Some people put their, all of their identity in their jobs or their kids, their achievements, even their accolades. But none of those things are firmly rooted or are who you truly are. Because if you're talking about athletics, athletes get old. If that's where you find your identity as an athlete, as somebody who is, is a, a professional, you get old. Your career can change just like that. How many of you guys have been laid off? You got all of your eggs in one basket and then next thing you know, they're pulling the rug out from underneath you. Your identity in your family can fall apart. Families fall apart all the time. Cultural traditions and practices become outdated. Our identity is to be rooted in God and in who he says that we are according to the word. Uh, speaking of athletes, and it's the Super Bowl, you got to mention it. You have Brock Purdy and Patrick Mahomes. Anybody seen the interviews that they've been doing, right? Men by their own, I mean, by the accolades and achievements that they've got. Uh, Hall of Fame quarterbacks, potentially, like amazing athletes. 
Neither of them are allowing their football career or achievements to become their identity. Both of them on stage in front of millions of people are proclaiming that their identity is Christ. That regardless of who wins or loses, that their identity isn't wrapped up in that. Now, there might be some tears. There might be some frustration. I'm not here to prophesy on which team is going to win. That's not what I'm here to do. But I'm here to say that regardless of who wins or who loses, we have two athletes who are going head to head who understand that their identity is in Christ Jesus and not in their accolades or achievements. We too need to take that stance. Colossians chapter three, verses 12 through 14 says, therefore, as the elect of God, I love the word elect because elect means chosen. So if you're in this place and you have put your faith in Jesus, you have been chosen, meaning that you have been handpicked. So he's saying, therefore, as the elect of God, the chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all, these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection. These are characteristics of our true identity. This is who we truly are. This is how we should be living. We ought to be looking at our lives and taking notes. Who here does a, an audit or, or looks at their life, reflects, remembers? The Bible tells us over and over to reflect, to remember, to stay alert, to stay on guard. How many of us are looking at our lives at a regular basis and running them through the lens of Scripture to make sure that the way that we live lines up with what it's telling us here? We should be looking at our lives, taking note. When I'm faced with uncertainty, is this how I respond? Is it humble? Is it kind? Is it meek? Is it patient? Does it exude love? Does it exude the characteristics of who Christ says that we are? When I'm met with disrespect, is this how I respond? When I'm wronged by a friend, is this how I respond? When my spouse is getting on my nerves, I saw all you people sitting down, you married couples. When your spouse is getting on your nerves, is this how you respond? When my circumstances change, is this how I respond? If it's not done in love, then you're operating by the flesh and not by the spirit. And so here we're calling you through the word, calling you higher, calling you to more. If you're not living like the scripture's telling us, then we're operating out of a place that looks more like the world than the word. Colossians 3, 15 through 17. I really want to double down on 15 and 17, or uh, excuse me, verses 16 and 17. But it says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. I love this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with the grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Does your life reflect peace? Are you rooted in gratitude and thankfulness? It tells us here, again, in verse 16, allow the word to dwell in you richly. Not another, I'm not trying to preach another sermon on why you should be reading your word. I don't get kickbacks, okay? I don't have an affiliate link in my bio. I'm not going to get anything from you guys reading your Bible more. But when we let this thing get into us, 
It gets into those who are in our sphere of influence. When we allow this to dictate our lives, when we come back to this and we, dive, uh, we, we digest this and we allow this to get inside of us, it changes the way that we act. It changes the way we respond. It changes the way that we live our lives. But he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. How many of us are singing that spiritual song? How many of us are singing to the Lord, giving him praise, giving him worship? Most of us who grew up in the world or lived in the world could probably recite more songs from Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre than they can the word of God, right? If I said one, two, three into the four, most of you guys know who's knocking at the door, right? Most of you know. And that's a problem when we can recite the world's wisdom more than we can quote and understand the word. Allow this to change you. I know some of you are still singing it right now. You're like, ah, knocking in the door. Like, repent, repent. We'll cast you into outer darkness. What you pour in will ultimately overflow into your lives. What you allow yourself to consume. You're having an identity issue or an identity crisis because you don't know who you are according to the scripture. You're allowing social media, you're allowing television, you're allowing the opinions of others to define who you are. What you pour in ultimately will overflow into your lives. I know when I'm empty. My wife and I just had a baby on sep well, September, no, January 29th. I already forgetting the kid's birthday. January 29th, right? Thank God she's not here. This isn't recorded, is it? Oh, scratch that. Where's Brendan at? Scratch that part out. So January 29th, just had a baby. And um, when I say that I've been empty the last couple of weeks, I can tell that I've been empty. Before the baby, I get up at, this is going to sound really boastful, but I promise this is the absolute truth. And it's not for me. It's just, I'm a disciplined guy. I'm a former athlete. Uh, I get up at 4 a.m. every morning, like Monday through Sunday. I was up at 4 this morning. It's just what I do. I'm in bed at like 8.30, 9 o'clock, right? I'm a grandpa in the spirit, but I'm in bed. I get up early. I read my word. I read 10 pages from two different books. I spend time in prayer. I spend time in devotion. And then I run an hour Bible study most of the days. So I usually fill my cup before I ever step foot out of the door. Before my wife is awake, because she is definitely not up at four o'clock. She's more of like an 8 a.m. kind of person. So for four hours, I've spent time with the Lord in his presence. I've filled myself up with the word. The last two weeks, however, my goodness, um, no. It has not been that. And so I find myself more on edge, more agitated as I'm reading this, even as I was preparing this, I prepared this and then I was reading over it and I'm just like, oh, okay, I have not been super kind. I haven't been very patient. Uh, we have not been forgiving to one another. As I'm reading this, it's talking about anger and wrath and malice filthy language even. There's times when I'm saying to myself like, oh my goodness, like I know when I am not full of this. I know when I'm empty. I know when I'm full. I'm the best version of who God's created me to be. When I know my identity and I'm firmly rooted in who God says that I am, I am a much better husband, a much better man, a much better friend. I'm, I'm a better pastor. I know also when I'm full of the things that are not him when I've allowed myself to watch things that I might not, like I shouldn't be watching, right? Not to demonize any shows, Game of Thrones, probably shouldn't be watching 
Game of Thrones as much, right? I probably shouldn't be watching certain series on, and yes, I still listen and watch television. Um, but yeah, there's things that I shouldn't be watching. I find myself in the gym and sometimes it's hard to get a good workout. So I might have to bring up the old Tupac playlist and I have to get through a tough set. But I can tell on the way home when I feel like I'm about to do a drive-by, I've, I, I start to realize that I've allowed the world to get into me. My seat is way too low. I'm like, sir, sit it up. What are you doing? Can't even see over the steering wheel. Right? But I can tell when I'm allowing the things of the world to get into me and I'm not full of him. And in the same way, we need to be auditing, we need to be reflecting, we need to pay attention to what it is that we're allowing to influence us. Does our actions and behaviors and the way that we live reflect him or does it reflect what's out there? In closing, I'm going to invite the worship up. You guys can start to head this way. I, I, I struggled with preparing this because 5 through 17, we could go into so much depth. You could, you could do a sermon off of just 5 through 8, right? And so to like breeze over uh, this, this passage, there's so much when it comes to identity. But what stood out to me is that we as believers firmly rooted in our identity are to be thermostats for the Lord and not thermometers. A thermometer tells you what the temperature of the room is. It measures temperature, right? And here, you guys, some might think it's a little hot. It is for me because I'm up front. Some of you might be cold. But the temperature, I step into a room, I allow the room to tell me or to gauge where we're at. A thermostat, however, controls and regulates the temperature. As somebody who is in the world, you walk into a room as a thermometer and you fill out the room and then you conform your ways to the level of the room. As a thermostat, you walk in and you change the way the room feels. You change the atmosphere. You can walk into any dark room and exude the light of Christ that dwells inside of you and light that place up. Too many of us are operating out of this thermometer mindset, mindset, we're allowing the world to influence us. We're scared to make a stand. We're not rooted or grounded in our true identity. We don't know who we are. We don't know how to operate. We don't know how to stand apart. We're too often allowing the things that are taking place outside of here to dictate our actions. Be a thermostat. As a born-again believer, as a child of God, right, this is who you guys are. I want you to get this. I want you to just hold on to this. As a born-again believer, as a child of God, the word says that you are a child of God. If you don't know who you are, according to scripture, if you don't know your identity, you are a child of God. You are above and not below. You are the head and not the tail. The power in you is greater than the power in this world. You are more than a conqueror. The weapons form against you, but they will not prosper. These are truths that derive from the word of God. And we hold on to these because if you won't stand on the truth of what the word of God says about you, you will fall for the lies of the enemy. You have been chosen. This word said that you are holy. This word says that you are set aside. We no longer allow our circumstances or the environment to dictate who we are or how we react. As, ther as thermostats, we don't measure our surroundings and then conform to them because the power that we have as born-again believers is greater than anything that this world can bring against us. Go ahead and stand with me. We move in truth.
We move in righteousness. We move in light. Even when the world around us is constantly changing, filled with chaos and calamity, we stand firm because we are rooted, not like the tree that has really shallow roots and every inconvenience, every lost expectation, every discouraging word just comes in and blows us over. We are firm and established and deeply rooted. We stand firm and we stand unwavering. We are in Christ. We are rooted, anchored, and established on the firm foundation of Jesus. We are immovable, unchanging, imperishable, and our identity alone is in Christ. Can we pray? Father God, we just want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you for your truth. God, we ask that you would lead us and guide us with wisdom and knowledge, Lord. We ask that your word would come alive and that it would help us to have a deeper, better understanding of who you say that we are. We know that the lies of the enemy are loud, that they're overpowering, that many times they come to steal, kill, and destroy our peace, that they come to confuse. We know that the enemy is the accuser of the brethren and the father of lies. Lord, help us to stand on your word. Help us to stand on your truth. We ask that your word would take root inside of our innermost being and that it would start to change us and shape us and transform us. And as the world gets loud, Lord, help us to turn down the volume of all of the things taking place out there and help us to draw near to you so that we can hear the still, quiet whisper of your voice. When we lay down our hurt, our pain, our worries, our anxieties, and all of the baggage that we've carried in here, because Lord, we know that you and you alone will redeem us. You and you alone can heal us. You and you alone will transform us. The praise, glory, and honor belong to Christ and Christ alone. And we pray this by the power of his blood and in his mighty name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you'd like to join us in person, our services are Sundays at 10 a.m. And we're located at 11011 Havenhurst Avenue in Granada Hills. Find us on Instagram at StoryCityGH or online at StoryCityChurch.com. Go and be the church.